Welcome everyone to Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host Jordan Ron on ESPN, ESPN.com Giants reporter, and we're here off a 27-17 victory, a really quality victory over the Philadelphia Eagles for the Giants. We we're going to sit here, we're going to talk about the Giants and their chances of making the playoffs and which team in the NFC East is going to be able to get the six wins. The Giants have as almost as good a chance as anybody, and then all hell breaks loose, right? They win on Sunday. We're sitting here on Wednesday afternoon. DeAndre Baker's charges have been dropped since that game, since that win. All right, he's free. He's signing in Kansas City likely now. And the Giants fire their offensive line coach, Mark Colombo, after he has a nasty verbal confrontation with Joe Judge. Now, I know there was a suggestion, there was a report out there that it was a fist fight. There were punches thrown. Am I a- my understanding that it was not physical, it might have gotten close to being physical, and there was lots of name-calling for sure and yelling back and forth, but no actual fist physicality in that confrontation. So Mark Colombo is surprisingly gone. Ten games into Joe Judge's regime, there's one coach down. Dave DeGuglielmo, I pronounced that wrong, DeGuglielmo, DeGuglielmo, the Gugelmo, I mean, who knows? I I, I I don't know how to say it. So they call him Gouge. Gouge. That's what we're going to call him here. He's the new Giants line coach. Gouge. Gouge. Okay. So crazy, crazy. I mean, uh, you, you didn't expect this uh, midweek on a bye week. Remember, the Giants don't play this, su- this Sunday. They don't play this weekend. They don't play Monday night. They don't play Thursday. They don't play until the following Sunday when they play at Cincinnati. Another winnable game, by the way which will be a big game for this Giants team. Win that game, I mean, it's possible they're in the driver's seat at that point to win the NFC East. Eagles have a big game before that. We're going to go through all the division stuff in a little bit. We're going to have a guest, someone who knows the NFC East inside and out, the great, the venerable, Sal Palantonio. Nobody better, trust me. He's going to say some very interesting things about this Giants team in the NFC East and the Eagles in general. So stay tuned for that. But let's go over some of the good the bad, and the WTF, okay? We'll start with the good. And that's that the Giants are in the midst of a division race. Sure, they're 3-7. and seven, haven't played great this year. But they had a big win against the Eagles. They have three division wins, right? Two over Washington, one over the Eagles. Just imagine. Think for a second. They, they, we had to do uh, a blurb for our power rankings this week. And it was if there was one, like, thing, you know, if you had one uh, do-over for your team this year, what would you do? And I said, if the Giants can take that Evan Ingram drop in that first meeting, take back that Evan Ingram drop in that first meeting against Philadelphia when they blew an 11-point lead in the final five minutes, that would have iced the game. They would be 4-0 in the NFC East. They'd be in the driver's seat, clearly in the driver's seat, to win the division with six games remaining. We'll go over to the Giants' schedule later. But just the fact that they're in the division race, okay? Look, to me... Whether they make the playoffs, the achievement isn't making the playoffs and saying, yeah, you know, they have a chance to win. They're going to win the Super Bowl. Look, you have to be realistic. They don't have a chance to make a run in the playoffs. They're not good enough. Still haven't beaten a winning team, right? So they have a long way to go before anyone's going to believe that the Giants are a good team. Are they making strides? That's the positive. Yes. They played well against the Eagles. Daniel Jones played well against the Eagles. He, this was a clean game for Daniel Jones. The game against Washington, no turnovers before, but let's be realistic. 
He put the ball on the ground twice. This game, no. Played well. Made key throws when he had to. Throwing the ball down the field. That throw to uh, Darius Slayton, the feathery touchdown, the left sideline. Drops it in there perfectly. I mean, that was nice. Late in the game in the fourth quarter. Kind of get close to icing it. I think they settled for, they got a field goal, you know, in that drive. And game was all but over. Positive steps with Daniel Jones. Positive steps with this Giants team. The running game. Third straight game with 150-plus yards. That's pretty darn good. Wayne Gallman finally being utilized. I mean, as a Giant fan, you've been watching this team for a while, and every time when Saquon's not there, you're like, why do they just hate Wayne Gallman? Right? I mean, they they Buck Allen played over him, right, last year. Um, this year, they signed Devonta Freeman. He was right immediately right over Wayne Gallman. And you watch Wayne Gallman run at times when he got an opportunity to start and play significant snaps. And you like it. He gets better as he goes along. You, you like what you see as a runner. And so we're finally getting to see that. The defense in general, James Bradbury, another just great game. I mean, God, Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz should be embarrassed and ashamed of themselves. You're going to come into a game against the Giants who have, who their slot cornerback has been torched all year. Their, corner, their CB2 is who the heck knows. Total disaster area. Isaac Yadam's in there right now. And you're going to come in and throw more passes in the direction of James Bradbury than any other player on the Giants? That's just stupid. Because James Bradbury's playing really well. And he played really well again the other day. Probably deserves to make the Pro Bowl. I don't think he actually will make the Pro Bowl. In part because there's some big names and some really good players in the NFC at that position. But he's played like a Pro Bowl cornerback this year. We saw that again. So, a lot to like with the Giants. They head into the bye. Joe Judge, you're liking what you're seeing from him. You know, with developing this team, building this team up. So the Giants at three and seven, you're kind of pretty happy. I know that sounds silly. Three and seven, you're pretty happy. But no, you you like the direction of the team. You see the progress that they're making. So that's the good. All right. We'll go real quick with the bad about all this. And this is I really couldn't think of much. So but if you are in the category of somebody who wants Dave Gettleman gone, and you're, there's probably a pretty big group because there's a lot of reasons. Being in the division race, winning games, and slapping it together with this roster that, quite frankly, isn't great, not even close, it's below average, easy, only increases Gettleman's chances and bolsters his case to return. So if you're in that category where you say, God, they need to move on from this GM, he makes so many bad moves, we're three years in, we still don't have any top-end, real, you know, dynamite, difference-making players. We made so many mistakes. Uh, I, I don't want. I don't trust him making personnel decisions. If you're in that group, the Giants trending in this direction right now. Their division's thinking this isn't good for you. No, no, it's not. Not good for you. Only increases the chances. At DG, we'll be back for at least one more season. All right, the WTF of what's going on. First, let's start with the DeAndre Baker side of the story. Okay, DeAndre Baker had the charges dropped the other day. Now, let me say this about that. Number one, because the charges are dropped and they couldn't prosecute a case, doesn't mean that DeAndre Baker is didn't do anything, got totally set up. Uh, you know, that, that's not what it means. It means they couldn't prosecute a case against him because everybody that has kind of been following this closely kind of realized this a long time ago. This was never going to be a case that could be prosecuted because these guys, the alleged victims, 
in the case are individuals with lengthy rap sheets. They changed their statements multiple times. They were all over the map. They reportedly took a bribe, you know, they reportedly extorted, right? And they changed their, they were willing to change their, their statement again. That's how this kind of, with the final nail in the coffin of this case, was the, their lawyer, the four alleged victims, or sorry, three of the four alleged victims, they had a lawyer who was essentially going and trying to get paid off from Baker's team and saying, hey, we'll say whatever you want. We'll do whatever you want. Give us one and a half million dollars. Eventually, I think their number came down, whatever turned out to be $230,000 each. But anyway, that was the final nail in this coffin. But these guys who have lengthy rap sheets and criminal records were never going to go testify. They were never going to fully cooperate in the end. They're totally untrustworthy. So that's where everything stands with that. Baker was never going to come back to the Giants after he got off, right? Here's the thing. Each team has their own, basically, security team within the team, within the team organization. So the Giants have already done their due diligence on what they think really happened. Now, there's usually the defendant's side, you know, there's the victim's side, and the truth is usually somewhere in the middle. That's probably the case here, right? Something happened. It seems that everyone agrees that something happened. There was an altercation of some sort. Who pulled the gun? When they pulled the gun? How it happened? Who took what? I don't think we're ever going to know. But the likelihood is there was a, and we know, we know that there was a dice game going on, a, a, a gambling game of some sort. It was believed to be dice, uh, loaded dice. That, that's the contention here. It was loaded dice. They were getting cheated, took his money back. But when everything went down, who pulled a gun when nobody really knows. DeAndre Baker, by the way, uh, yeah, he had a gun. This is known. He had handed it in at one point, but his gun is registered, state of Florida and everything. So he was allowed to have a gun. So it's not illegal just for him to have a gun. But if he pulled it, threatened you know, to hurt and stole stuff at gunpoint, that's a different story. But the likelihood is more than multiple, multiple guys probably pulled guns there. That When you talk to people, that seems to be the most likely scenario of what happened. Nobody knows, though. These are all allegations that were out there. So he's gone. But the Giants, they made their decision a long time ago that DeAndre Baker wasn't coming back. They have their they made their decision based on the information that they received of what they think went down. So people who are sitting there complaining that they let Baker go, remember, first of all, DeAndre Baker wasn't great his rookie year either. Okay? He didn't play well. So if he was a stud, I know he was a first-round pick, but if he put on a great tape on the field last year, it might be a different story, but he didn't. So not only is he a risk because what he's guilty of most is putting himself in a terrible situation, a bad situation with the wrong people. That's what he's guilty of right now. So the Giants know this, at least at the very minimum. They know that. He didn't play well last year. He might have been a first-round pick, but that's not a risk that they're not willing to take. The Chiefs, on the other hand, they this is what kind of Andy Reid does. I mean, they're, they're, they take risks like that, low, low-cost risks. I mean, they could always get out of DeAndre Baker real quick if, even if that deal gets signed, and who knows if he's ever going to play for them or what the heck's going to happen. But he's gone. That's shut. That case is shut. That's done. That draft pick, it's in the history. Uh, we, as we mentioned before, the Dave Gettleman bad moves. Yeah, that's one of them. You know, you you want to hold some stuff against Dave Gettleman? That move is going to be one of those things you hold against him. Now, the real WTF that right now going on, the latest is the Mark Colombo firing. Okay? So Joe Judge is going to bring on Googe, who's 
a longtime NFL assistant, coached offensive line for years. Who's just trying to get back in. Judge brings him in as some sort of consultant. Okay. Of course, he's going to overlook and help out with the offensive line, which has been a troubled group this year. Now, Mark Colombo is told about this on Tuesday night. This has already been in the works. Pretty the done deal. He's late to the party, finds out, not happy about it. In his mind, another instance that, you know, Mr. Hands-On, Joe Judge, attention to detail, you know, he's all over everybody. He's hard on his own coaches, on his own players. That's that's how he, that's how he works. Probably, you know, could be looked at as viewed as a strength, and in this case, a weakness. So, Colombo's not happy, thinks this is, a you know, probably like an attempt by the Giants at this point to, you know, uh, for Judge to bring in one of his guys, okay? Undermine his uh, authority on this position and this everything in general. And so he's not happy with about it, and it turns into a big verbal altercation. One in which there's a lot of name-calling going on from what I was told, okay? Now, no, the Giants, not just the Giants, I spoke to a bunch of people who denied that there was a physical altercation. Now, it might have come close, and Colombo might have wanted to probably knock Joe Judge's teeth out, but it didn't happen. So, uh, not a good situation. And now the Giants, whose offensive line has actually played better. Now, Judge also has been more involved on the offensive line, even though that really, that's not his specialty if you think about it. He's not, you know, this offensive line coach. He never coached offensive line. So, uh, definitely not his specialty. And I think Colombo probably took exception to that. So there you go. Not happy with each other. And now instead of the likelihood was that Colombo was supposed to stay, right, in Judge's mind, his plan, his master plan, was Colombo was going to stay, right? Gouge was going to kind of overlook it, serve as a consultant, help out, sort of get that twist on it that Judge wants. Colombo didn't, didn't, didn't want to accept that. He wasn't happy with that setup. So, you know, when he goes and loses it, for lack of better words, and there's almost a fight, and, he, you know, there's a lot of name-calling going on, when you do that, you're, you're going to lose your job. So that's ultimately what happens here. So Gouge, who then is going to be a consultant, now has to be the offensive line coach. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out, because if you think about it, the Giants' line has been playing better. I mean, look, they still have their weak points. I mean, uh, Andrew Thomas still hasn't been great. He's been a little better, but certainly not great. I think Pro Football Focus said he let up four pressures the other day. That's still not great. You know, four pressures in a game for your left tackle. Uh, he almost got Daniel Jones killed the previous week on a blindside hit. So there's a lot of things here, a lot of moving pieces. you got Shane Lemieux, a rookie. So now Googe is coming in, stepping in. He's got to coach two rookies on the starting offensive line. Or uh, I don't know. We don't really know if they're going to keep Shane Lemieux there or not. But a fairly young offensive line that still was trying to gel – uh, was playing better, but now he's got to come in, step in the middle of the season, 10 games in. Strange situation, for sure. Very strange situation. A WTF situation, for sure. Not what you expect on your bye week. Not all this stuff. You wanted to sit here and talk about a rare good Giants win. And by rare, I mean rare. First time they beat the Eagles since 2016. Best you felt about the team since week 17 of 2016. But we're talking about DeAndre Baker. His charge is being dropped. Completely by the Broward, uh, was it Broward, not Sheriff's Office, but the Broward County Prosecutors, I guess. And then Mark Colombo, the offensive line coach, being fired in the middle of the bye week. Crazy times. Y'all say this about the Giants. They've been bad the last few years. And even this year, 3-7 and is bad record-wise. But they have not been boring. They have not been 
boring. And neither is our guest, so let's get to it. On to the next one. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. All right, let's bring in ESPN's number one NFL reporter, the legendary, the great Sal Palantonio, who is stationed in Philadelphia area, so he's all over the Eagles. And because he's in such close proximity, he comes up and checks out the Giants plenty. So he, he's, been, he's been up here plenty over the years covering a ton of Giants, a ton of Eagles, and a ton of Giants versus Eagles. So he was there the other night. So we're going to get his perspective on what's going on with these two teams. So, Sal, first off, thank you for coming on. We appreciate it, as always. Uh, thank you, Jordan. It's great to be with you. I've probably covered more games at MetLife and Giants Stadium over the years than anybody else at ESPN. Chris Berman used to call me the mayor of the Meadowlands. <laughs> there you go. I mean, there were some good ones over the years. Those, those were some really uh, – intense battles, but the Eagles have owned them over the years, right? It was uh, eight straight coming into this one. Uh, the Eagles had one, but the Giants win. They finally got their win. So you've seen the Giants earlier this year. You saw them again the other day on Sunday. When you look at it and you, you go through a lot of the film every week, what's the biggest difference you're seeing with the, this Giants team now than the one you saw earlier this year? Yeah, I think it comes down to three things. I think, one, first and foremost, if the quarterback is not turning the ball over, the Giants will be in a position to win football games. That's always true, but particularly with this team. Secondly, I think you have to look at the defensive secondary, particularly the high level of play of Jabril Preppers and Logan Ryan. I actually think this is one of the better safety tandems in the NFC. I think it ranks right up there with what they have in Pittsburgh. The Giants play a lot of what Bill Belichick played in New England. They play a lot of man under, too deep. Uh, they don't want you to get past them. They use peppers on a lot of different things. He's a great ball hawker. He's a good blitzer. Logan Ryan is a terrifically smart player. And James Bradbury is playing his best football right now. So I think three out of the four positions in the secondary and in the NFL, you absolutely have to have superior secondary play. Bill Belichick figured that out early on. And Joe Judge inherited that from his longtime mentor up in New England. And then three, and this may surprise you, I think that Wayne Gallman 
has been an important difference on this team. He sticks his foot in the ground. Mm-hmm. He's a north-south runner. He hits the hole. When I talked to Joe Judge before the game on Saturday, I talked to him on the phone after he met with the team and met with Daniel Jones. He gushed about Gallman, loved him. Uh, and everything about the way he plays, his attitude, his coachability, um, his demeanor, he runs with purpose. He runs with violence. These are all things that Joe Judge pointed out to me. So I think he's kept Daniel Jones on schedule. I think he's one of the main reasons why Daniel Jones has calmed down, and you can see that. All right, so you, 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 as you mentioned, that first of all, a couple of things did really surprise me. Number one is when you talk about the safety combo being one of the best in the league, that, that, that's something I hadn't heard yet or at all, really. Uh, I'm kind of surprised to hear that. And number two, the gushing about Wayne Gallman. It really takes me aback for a second because the Giants, I mean, for three straight coaching staffs have kind of soured on Wayne Gallman. And even Judge, remember, uh, they brought in Devonta Freeman and he was starting for them not too long ago. So something must have changed along the last few weeks that Joe Judge, you know, became impressed with what he's seen from Wayne Gallman. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm very surprised by that. Yeah, so was I. But the production is there, and when you see it on film, you know, he's running hard. He's running with violence. Yeah. I mean, you know what the ironic part is? You always saw that. I don't know what it is about Wayne Gallman that sometimes just must not sit right with coaches. He's not the most emotional person. I think, you know, sometimes that doesn't sit well with coaches. Maybe that's it. But uh, you you know Joe – you're getting to know Joe Judge, right? You know him pretty well at this point. Um, And it seems like you're high on Joe Judge as as a head coach and what he brings to the table. So what is it that you find most impressive with Joe Judge and your interactions with him? Well, he's got the DNA. It's there uh, from his coaching experience under Saban and under Bill Belichick. He's very smart, super smart. You look at his film breakdowns on Giants.com, they're very good. (laughs) Yeah, they are. Very entertaining, but also very detailed and interesting. He talked about – remember that fumble that, that went down the sideline between Washington and the Giants? Yeah. And it was like, you know, you, you could have put it to circus music. The way he broke that down and the number of, like, coaching points he had on recovering a fumble and how to do it near the sideline, I mean, I agree with you. Just totally off the chart. You're like, wow. That guy's yeah, that's, and that's straight out of Belichick. Belichick's really the best <clears throat> teacher that I've ever seen. Um, in, in terms of situational football, contingency, details, making sure, like, all you have to do is look at the Malcolm Butler interception of Russell Wilson in that Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they coached that the night before the game, the Super Bowl against Seattle. And that was straight from Belichick and Patricia. And Judge learned that. So the DNA is there. He's super smart about the game, understands the importance of situations and contingencies. But he said something to me that was really interesting on Saturday that made me understand that he has a chance to really succeed. Um, And that is, he told me, he was telling me about the fact that he was having a team meeting on Saturday and he he was trying something different. He was going to show a highlight reel of the team's practice during the week. All the highlights of practice, the fun and the energy, their commitment to excellence, their positive attitude and how well they practiced in the rain, in the bad weather, in the mud. And he said he was doing it different this time because he really wanted to show the team how much they have improved. Usually, he told me, Hmm. each and every week, he will go through the highs 
and the lows of the previous game. This time, he just decided to show a highlight reel and emphasize how much energy and spirit was on the team. And to, I don't know, but I'm going to guess, Jordan, that that had an impact on how the team played on Sunday. Right. Well, maybe Doug Peterson should have done the same because, wow, that first half by the Eagles was something there. Uh, that, that was really ugly on their part. I mean, penalties all over the place, just mistakes left and right, uh, missed opportunities. You're around that team a lot. What's, what's wrong there, Sal? It's almost like they're like, they just look sick a little bit. Some, something just doesn't seem right over there. Well, you know, I don't, I'm not going to offer up to you any kind of different perspective than what you've heard or what people have heard. It starts and ends with the quarterback. Mm-hmm. He's turned the ball over at a record rate. Uh, on third down, he was positively awful against the Giants, 0 for 6. They did not convert a, a single third down. They were 0 for 9 on third down. Hard to win that uh, way. Yeah, it's the first time all year that any team has gone an 0 for on third down. That's a lot of football being played without that happening. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it's super bad. So um, he's not – Wentz is not seeing open receivers. Yeah, he is foolishly reckless with the football throwing into obvious double teams. Um, and I, all you have to do is look at several th- plays with the Giants. I mean, he threw to a double-teamed Jalen Rieger down the middle of the field on the third and 11. And Alshon Jeffrey, who had one target all game in his first game back since December, no catches, was a wide open beyond the sticks. The Giants weren't paying any attention to him at all. And Alshon Jeffrey was wide open. Would have been an easy pitch and catch, first down. Instead, Wentz throws it into double coverage down the seam and um, was incomplete. And that's just uh, an illustration, one small illustration of how poorly he has played. And, you know, when your quarterback is not producing, when your quarterback is reckless with the football, when your quarterback can't convert third downs, it has a deleterious effect Mm -hmm. on the rest of the team psychologically. You know that. You've seen that. You've seen it with the Giants. It's demoralizing when the quarterback does not produce or turns the ball over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll get to the Giants side of, of the quarterback play in a minute, but let's talk about the division, right? Because this division mm-hmm. is, is bad. I mean, there's no, way, there's no really way around that. The question is, who can get to six wins? Do you think the Eagles, you know, what's the likelihood they get to six wins? They are right now sitting at, Three, five, and one, right? So they got seven left. A tough seven. Yep. And the only two against teams that aren't winning teams are the last two, Dallas and Washington. So can, yep. can they get the seven? Oh, six, sorry. Because six is, you know, six means they're, they're six, six, nine, and one. It's hard to see any other team getting to seven in this division. So can they get, can they get the six, Al? What do you think? Right. So in the second half of the season, Jordan – I learned this from Ron Jaworski and Dick Vermeil, uh, the first guys that I really, you know, encountered in South Jersey as uh, the gurus of football and for good mm-hmm. reason. You know, Dick Vermeil, everybody knows, took the Eagles to the Super Bowl, was a longtime broadcaster, then came back and won the Super Bowl with the Rams. Jaws, nobody breaks it down better than Jaws. He's the, he's the king. Yep. And he come, and now, second half, they would always tell me the second half comes down to two things. Who is on your schedule? And how's your quarterback playing? Who's on your schedule and how's your quarterback playing? Not promising for the Eagles there in either category then. Correct. Correct. You are correct. 
So the Eagles are at Cleveland on Sunday. The Eagles will not win that game. I don't think that they will in that game unless something drastically changes. But I think the Browns have the ability to run the ball on them. Um, and I don't think the Eagles are nearly productive enough. They have surprised people before. Um, they're only a three-and-a-half half point favorite on the road, a dog on the road. So I guess Vegas thinks they have a shot, but the Eagles have been terrible all year long as uh, – uh, as road player, as road team, as a road team. So then they play Seattle on Monday night football loss. They will lose to the Packers. They will lose to the Saints and they will lose to the Cardinals. So that's four losses. They will have a shot against Dallas if they are not totally demoralized after four straight losses. Yeah, if they lose to the Browns and plus the Eagles, I mean the Giants lost. That would actually be six. So they would go into that with six straight. Yes. It would be six straight. If they lose – so the whole season comes down to winning against the Browns, beating the Browns. So they have three wins. If they beat the Browns, that's one. If they beat the Cowboys in week 16, that's two. If they beat the Washington football team, that's three. That gets them to six, nine, and one. So the whole season comes down to beating the Browns. If they don't beat the Browns, they don't win the division. They, don't, they, won't, they will not win the division. Now, as for the Giants – the Giants on the bye, then they play at Cincinnati, yep. can win that game, can't beat Seattle, can't beat Arizona. They can beat Cleveland, they can't beat Baltimore, and they can beat Dallas. So they can have one, in my view, one, two, three more wins. Yeah, that would get them to six. That would get them to six. But they would be at six and what? Ten. Six and ten. And the Eagles would win the division at six, nine, and one. Yeah. If if they could get the six, that's the magic number here. If they can get the six, yeah. You you don't think that Washington? I, I mean, I shouldn't say you don't think because I don't know your opinion on it. Do you, well, what do you think the chances are that well, Washington let's, let's or Dallas at, can get the six? Let's look at let's look at Washington first. Let's look at Washington first. They, they all have fairly similar schedules, but the actually easy schedule is Dallas. Yeah, Dallas is the easier schedule. It comes down to schedule and, who, and how the quarterback's playing. All right, so they have Cincinnati at home. They sh- they, if they don't win that game, it's over. Yeah. Because then they play at Dallas. That's a loss. We're, we're, at- on, we're, we're going over Washington here, correct, right? Yes, yeah, going over Washington. Okay. At Dallas is a loss. Pittsburgh's a loss. At San Francisco's a loss. Seattle's a loss. Carolina's a loss. Philadelphia's a loss. So they – I don't see how – that's – if they beat Cincinnati, that's three wins. Right. I see three wins, maybe four for they Washington. They have to get three more, yeah, after Cincinnati. Can't that, happen. Their, their schedule is tough. Washington, yeah. in my view, is out. They're out. Okay. Dallas has two wins, correct? They're two, two wins. and seven as well. Dallas, so they two got wins. Nine, they got nine left. The Giants have eight, remember? And the, yeah. The, yeah. Yep. Eagles so they're going to go to Minnesota. They'll lose. Washington, they'll beat Washington. They'll lose at Baltimore. They will lose at Cincinnati. They will lose to San Francisco. They'll lose to Philly, then they'll lose to New York. I don't think Dallas has more than two wins left right. on the So schedule. even if you give them Cincinnati, that's two, right? Yeah, if you give them Cincinnati, that's two. So I think the division comes down to next week, week 11, Eagles at Cleveland on Sunday. Eagles yeah. at Cleveland. That's what the division comes down to. They already blew their, they blew their chance really this week. They could have put the division away. I mean, if they, yes. got the, if they got the four with a win over the Giants, 
they pretty much they would have to go two and five over the last seven to get to six and then pretty much have the division because they got that tie. But they do not. So now they, they're going to have to win the game that, like you just said, that you don't expect them to win. They have these next five games. Probably under, underdogs in all five games for sure. I mean, not even, not even a question. They'll be an underdog. They're an underdog right now in Cleveland. They'll be an underdog Seattle Monday Night Football at Green Bay. Definitely New Orleans at Arizona. Yes, they will be an underdog in the next five games. This is a this is going to be a crazy division, Sal. Which would actually kind of be appropriate because you know, if the Giants made it, you they are kind of this team on the rise, right? You know, they they are at least rebuilding, so they're they're starting to put together together a team that they're going to go forward with. If my memory serves correct, the last team to make the playoffs with like a losing record was the Seattle Seahawks when they had that beast mode game, and that was kind of like their building up moment. You know, so do you agree with that? That if they do make the playoffs, sure, they're not, gonna, they're not making a serious run in the playoffs. I think we both can agree on that. They're probably not good enough. But the playoff experience alone for quarterback like Daniel Jones, for a coach like Joe Judge, and for the whole team in general would be just a, a humongous success for this organization? Oh, absolutely. A rookie head coach with a quarterback uh, who couldn't get out of his own way for, for most of his career, uh, there, there, there's no question about that. Uh, this would be – to make the playoffs and get in the playoffs would be a huge success for Joe Judge. And let's not, let's not make any mistake about it. It would be for Joe Judge. I mean, he would be responsible for turning the team around. Right. Making – taking chicken poop and making it to chicken salad. I mean, that's kind of what he's doing a lot here. I mean, they, they, don't, they, don't, they don't have that roster that's scaring a lot of people, that's for sure. Which, no, but they have players. And they, yes. They have good players. They, don't they have, have good players. They have good players play. with yeah. a lot of. They have good yeah. players with a lot of potential. Um, you know, Dexter Lawrence, Blake Martinez, Leonard Williams, good player with a lot of potential. I think, like James I said, they're secondary, secondary. Bradbury, Peppers, Ryan, all all good players with potential. Sterling uh, Shepard, love him. Starius Slayton, Slayton, Daniel. Slayton. Yep. Uh, the question is this offensive line. I mean, right. that's the question. Is it going to hold up? Yeah. Well, it's been a question for a long time. And, you know, there's still definitely some concern there. But the biggest concern you would have to say, especially offensively, is the quarterback in that he played really well the other day against Philadelphia. But that was his best game of the year. Are you seeing how much improvement have you been seeing from him, Sal? And what, what have you seen? You, you sit there and you watch the tape and you watch plenty of Daniel Jones. What is the what is the line of thinking when you sit there with Jaws, guys like Jaws, and when you sit there and you see Daniel Jones? I think he's taking baby steps, Jordan. I think he's taking baby steps. Um, I think, um, listen, uh, that run that he had, that thirty-four yard run, was a thing of beauty. But mm-hmm. it comes off it comes off a, a, a run against the Eagles on Thursday Night Football where it, where it fell down. So, okay. um, yeah. So, you know, he, he has. So baby steps. He didn't fall down this time, Sal. Yeah, that's why I'm saying baby steps. <laughs> baby steps. He's not turning the ball over. Baby steps. He's not falling down on long runs. I mean, these, these are important baby steps to take. No, there's no question about it. I like Daniel. You know, and one of the things that I asked Joe Judge, and I believe he was telling me the truth, mm-hmm. I said, do you like this team? He said, yes, I like this team. I, I, I said, do you like your quarterback? He said, yes. And more important, this locker room likes that quarterback. Yeah, they really do. 
They like his toughness. They like his attitude. Um, You know, if there's one comparison to Eli, it is that Daniel Jones is, has learned that he needs to be on the field. That was Eli. Got to stay on the field. Got to be tough. Mm Got to go on to the next play. Don't show up your teammates on the field. All of those things that Eli taught him by, by osmosis that he learned from the great Eli Manning. You know, and I'm a, I'm a Hall of Fame voter, and I'm, I'm going to just tell you this right now. There's no debate for me about Eli going in the Hall of Fame. Right. Eli goes in the Hall of Fame. Eli goes in the Hall of Fame. In my, in my opinion, he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Will he be a first ballot Hall of Famer like his brother? Probably not. There will probably be enough people in the room to prevent that, but not for me. I'll be voting for him first ballot in the hall. So you see some of those characteristics that Daniel has that he got from, you know, watching Eli a little, you know, or at least being around Eli or maybe some of them he already had before. You get knocked down, you get up and get to the next play. That's important in this league for sure. Do you view him as that franchise quarterback? Would you, Sal Palantonio's building a team. You'd feel, how confident would you feel with him as your future franchise quarterback? I'm not there yet. I don't think anybody really is. I think had a hesitation, bo- Sal. You had a hesitation there. No, I'm not there yet, Jordan. Yeah. I mean, you know. That's my, fair. My, I mean, it's fair. I, I think that that's the prevailing view, isn't it? I think so. I mean, like, I don't see how you could sit there and watch what he's done this year and be like 100% sold on this guy, you know, or even this year and last year. I mean, some of the same problems are still, still there this year. I agree. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's why these last seven games – are so important to the Giants, right? They, they, need, to, they need to find that out. How, how much do you think that works against well, them? No, if, I after, think, after two years, how much do you think they, do you need to know if that's the guy? Or can you – Depends you on what happens, man. It depends on what happens. If the Giants uh, sneak into the playoffs, Daniel Jones is your quarterback. Oh, year. for sure, for sure, if that, that happens. And even if, even if he's not, I think it's pretty certain they're going to give him – they're going to give it one more year. Uh, yeah, I agree. A hundred percent. I don't think Joe Judge wants to go in year two with a new quarterback. I don't think he wants to make a change at quarterback. That not that not that is not what what I heard in his voice. Right. Is he is he this is a crazy question to even suggest at this point, but I mean it, it is where we are. Is he the best quarterback in the division at this point? Like where how would you how would you the, we're talking guys that are actually playing, right? So Dak's not <laughs> Dak's not in the picture. He's so playing that, the Last week, he played like the best one for sure. That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a crazy thought, right? Because we got Alex Smith coming back from, you know, eight gazillion surgeries. Kudos to him for making it back. But he's not the same player he used to be. His athleticism used to be part of the game. Andy Dalton starting for Dallas. And you got Carson Wentz struggling and, and Daniel Jones. And that's I guess that's why you have a losing division. Huh, Sal? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Quarterback play take, is so important. What would it take? Just finish with this. What would it take for Carson Wentz not to be the quarterback of the Eagles by the end of this year or into next year? Wow. You know, Jordan, I would have benched him after the first half against the Giants. Hmm. I would have benched him and I would have played Jalen Hurts. If if I if I was the head coach and I thought that Jalen Hurts had any shot to move the team and if there was any body of work in practice to show that Jalen Hurts could move the team, I would have benched. Listen. I was there in Baltimore when Andy Reid benched Donovan McNabb. Right. 
He benched him. He said, and he said I, I caught up with him after the game before I got on the bus at M&T Bank Stadium. And I said, why did you bench him? And he said, well, sometimes in order to take a step forward, you got to take a step back. And I think that that is definitely, definitely the case for Carson Wentz. Definitely. He needs to hear and see from the head coach that the current state of affairs is not good enough. Wow. It's unbelievable. I didn't, you would have never thought when this season started that we'd be here after 10 weeks now, and you'd be saying that. I mean, think about that. This and is people, always, people always say, and you said to me at the top, the NFC is a bad division. And I always say, you know what? But it's a great story. <laughs> there you go. And Sal Palantonio is always there. Nobody's there more to cover it on the, at least on the East coast, right? You know, we got, we got Ed Werder taking care of Dallas, but Sal Palantonio is all over the Eagles and the Giants. And we appreciate your time as always, Sal. Thank you very much. Okay, Jordan, you got it, brother. On to the next one. Feeling like you need a marketing degree and an extra day in your week to successfully market your small business? Let Constant Contact do the heavy lifting for you. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has powerful tools that make it easy to grow your audience, engage your customers, and sell more to boost your business. Now, in just a few clicks, you can launch a marketing campaign that's tailored to your business and goals. That includes email, social, SMS, and more. So you can sell more, raise more, and fast-track your business growth. Plus, you can always count on Constant Contact's award-winning customer support for guidance along the way. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. That was enlightening in many ways. I really enjoyed that conversation. Thank you to Sal Pal, the great Sal Pal, one of a kind for sure, uh, for coming on the show. Always good to hear him, especially he's plugged in on those Eagles. He knows what's going on with those Eagles. Uh, there's, there's very few people I trust more on Eagles, if anybody, than Sal Palantonio. So we appreciate him coming on the show as always. And now let's get to uh, the Jordan on the Beat section. This is the part where I tell you what it's like to cover the Giants or cover the NFL in general. And, uh, you know, I've talked a lot about the, the COVID environment and how that's affected the way you cover a team this year. Let me just say this. I am taping this episode. I've taped podcast episodes from my closet where I, uh, you know, I, I do a lot of stuff. From uh, my car, I've done it. Um, in my office, I taped one. It was a little, little echoey. I know, I know we've had a lot of audio problems here, and I apologize for that. This time, I'm in a new spot because there's, these are things you got to worry about, right? I got to watch my one-year-old in the morning. He, then he's taking a nap. And when he's taking a nap, my closet that I, I use as my studio is basically backed up against his room. So I can't really go in there. Now I'm actually sitting in my wife's walk-in closet with a chair that is my daughter's chair like for like a kid's desk from when she was even younger. So I'm sitting on this little itsy-bitsy teeny chair in my wife's closet with women's clothes surrounding me taping a podcast. Like If this isn't the 2020 scene, I don't know what it is. I, I really don't. I mean, it's, it's silly. I'm looking around me. There's all kinds of boots, shoes, uh, blouses, dresses, skirts, jeans. And what am I doing? What am I doing? And in between, the Giants are firing their offensive line coach because he got into a fight 
a verbal com- confrontation that almost developed into a fist fight with the head coach. So it brings me back to some other legendary spots like I've learned about stuff, you know, I mean, I, you know, because I'm getting texts as I sit in here half the time about, like, information and of, like, what actually happened with this uh, Colombo thing. So let me see. One of the Josh Brown things that went down, I guess he was suspended or the Giants finally did, you know, like, just didn't take him to on the trip to uh, London was uh, so I was actually on a plane with my wife when that went down. I remember that. So I'm sitting there and I have to write a news story from, you know, 50,000 feet in the air on the way to London about Josh Brown being suspended or whatever it technically was at that point. And then I get to London and I go and they, they I'm in a ho- the hotel there and they ask me to do Sports Center. Live. And remember, it's dark outside at this point. It's the middle of the night in London. So, you know, six, five, whatever, five-hour difference it is. Six hours. So let's say it's like, you know, 10 at night there. So it's 5 in the afternoon here. So I guess they want me to do the 6 o'clock sports center. So they say, I say, ask the people in the hotel, where can I do this TV hit from? Right? Because you ever been to Europe, you know, hotel rooms aren't exactly big. So you have a conference room I can do. Sure, we have a room downstairs. So I go to this room. It basically is just this plain white room, round, circular, and um, doing a television hit from there. And it looks like I'm in like an insane asylum because it's plain walls. It look there's no windows. I'm underground, crazy looking. One time I did a another Josh Brown TV hit. For my beach, uh, our beach, my family's beach house in uh, Long Beach Island, and my brother called me after. He said, you do that from Long Beach Island? I see, like we re- we rented it, we rent a house, so it's not our house. It's like all kinds of fisherman stuff on the wall, and like ships and stuff. He's like, I saw a sh- it's like a, a light blue wall, like the the color of uh, ocean water with ships on the wall. You are you an LBI? <laughs> I did one there, and then. Uh, you know, the bye week in general, I mean, I'm sitting here in my wife's closet taping a podcast, writing stories on DeAndre Baker charges being dropped this week uh, of now um, Mark Colombo being fired, Dave Gouge being hired as the new line coach. And I'm doing it for my wife's closet instead of past years spending an extra week in, in London with the wife or staying places, playing a couple days of golf or, you know, uh, just enjoying some time off like no not this year not this year it's 2020 this this is how it's going down in 2020 crazy year crazy year 2020 Woo. jeez not how you expect it didn't think i'd be sitting in my wife's closet taping a podcast on firing the offensive line coach in week 10 of the season much rather be in london that was a good trip that London trip was a good trip. I had a friend who uh, got me tickets to a, a box to an Arsenal game, a soccer game. That was fun, watching a soccer game. It was the first time I ever went to a European soccer game, uh, English Premier League game for sure. And, uh, yeah, really cool. The only thing is I, I think it was Arsenal against Sunder- Sunderland, something like that, maybe. 
I don't know if I have it right. Or Southampton, maybe it was. I don't remember. Anyway, 0-0. That I remember. I went to a game and they first ever you know European English Premier League soccer game and I didn't see a goal. It was a goal, but it was an offsides, but it doesn't count. So, uh, yeah, now I'm sitting in my wife's closet. Mm-hmm. There you go. That's it for this episode of Breaking Big Blue. We'll come back early next week. We'll do uh, Giants After Dark. I'll answer all your questions. We'll do, you can ask personal questions. You can ask Giants questions. You can ask questions about the coaching staff, the front office, the players, the quarterback, you name it. We'll get to it. So feel free. I got I got a bunch in uh, Instagram over the last few days, and I, have the, I had them queued up, but uh, a couple things went down today, so everything got backed up, and I, w- I wanted to get over it, go over it. So I didn't want I don't want this podcast to go too long. It's already gone too long already, so let's cut it off. Make sure you like, subscribe this podcast, give us good rating, help us out, tell your friends. It's available on all pod pod podcast. What the heck is a pod- podcast? It's available on all podcast platforms. I'm your host Jordan Ronan, ESPN, ESPN.com Giants reporter. See you next time.